Welcome to Highly Functioning, a show about exploring, understanding, and optimizing the mind from a non-neurotypical lens. On this week's episode of Highly Functioning, we talk about getting trapped in conversation, our hypotheses on how it happens, over-exhaustion of conversation, and the fear of not being understood. We also talked about our responsibility in making sure the other person is not trapped, and the tactics we can use to limit the possibility of it happening. As always, thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcasting app. Follow us and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash highlyfunctioning. And if you like our content, consider supporting us at highlyfunctioning.ca. There you'll find bonus content, Q&As, and be able to provide direct input on how you can change the show. Hey, David. Hello. How are you? I'm doing pretty swell today. How are you? I'm doing okay. I can't complain. Um, to start off on our topic for today, uh, our topic for today is being trapped in a conversation. It's uh, something we found ourselves in a few times. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's only right that we do an, uh, do an entire episode on it. Uh, and so do you want to give, and I know this is something that's like close to your heart. So do you want to give a quick example or uh, definition on, uh, on what you mean by trapped in a conversation? Yeah, sure. So I'll give two quick examples and then I'll kind of abstract out what I think is going on in the examples. Um, so we just before this, I, I brought up a topic and like we just kept going and I was not even interested in the conversation anymore, but we kept going. And it's I found, especially the two of us, it's very hard for us to stop talking to one another. And this happened once before. I remember we ended up talking for like two hours. And by the end, you were like, David, just let me leave. Let me leave this conversation. And I was like, Winston, but you can do that. You can stop, right? And it, it doesn't happen. And, you know, on a more extreme example, I remember once I was in a really bad mental state and I was sitting, uh, you know, with, with family on a couch and they were telling me things and I, I kept responding to them, even though I did not want to. Like, I did not want to respond to them because it was a draining conversation. They weren't understanding me and I knew that, but I couldn't help it. I literally could not stop myself. And it's really interesting because I've not noticed too many other people who do it to this degree. Like when people are emotional, I think sometimes they can't stop themselves from talking. But for you and I, and definitely for me, when when it's happening, like it doesn't matter how emotional or non-emotional I am, it's just, I'm just trapped. And, and the analogy I think of is it's almost, it's I would say it's like a defense mechanism. It's a counterpunch, right? So it's like if someone, if my mind is in a certain mental set and someone responds to me, I feel like I have to respond because like there's a risk to me if I don't either either they'll misunderstand me or like I won't get my point across or whatever and it really feels like it's like a danger and my mind is like compelled to respond and I think when you and I talked for like that hour and a half two hours where I wouldn't let you leave um, I think that's what I was trying to get at and and I was asking you about as well it's because you wanted to be certain there wasn't a misunderstanding because you don't want to leave the conversation with a misunderstanding and that's what was going on before it's uh, right before we started this call is like I thought you and I didn't agree on something and to get to the agreement would take a long time and I don't care but it's hard for either of us to just say stop we're leaving it right now 
And so that's what I want. Like, that's the experience I have. And I'm interested in if you kind of experience the same way. And also if any of our uh, viewers or listeners have experienced that, because I don't know many other people who've had it as vividly as I have. And it really feels like, you know, like I'm trapped in the back of my head and watching myself talk in these conversations sometimes. Was that the, the, the first example or do you want to do the second example as well? That was all of it. Okay. Well, I, 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 can, I can totally relate uh, considering it just happened to us off air. Um, but I find the main reason for that is because like every conversation, right? Like both people are, and the way I explain it is like both people are walking down one path together. And then there's like five different ways in which the, the conversation can go. Like if someone talks about something, we usually don't go point, like, re, like give me a reply on the point and go back and forth. Like you usually say multiple points. Mm-hmm. And when you're replying back, there's only so many like points that you can address without talking on for hours, right? And I find a lot of the time, like especially when you get into an argument about what's right or what's wrong or what we should do, um, especially if you're very much a system thinker like me and you, we want to address every single one of those points because if those points don't address and you start building on top of them, you start to get, if you're wrong, you get wronger and wronger and wronger. And I like sometimes get frustrated when like, there might be something that you say that's like 90% right, but there's 10% that's a caveat or, or something that you might've gotten wrong. And I'll like feel the need to say like, Hey, like you're mostly like, right. But there's this one thing, like make sure you don't mix that stuff up. Um, and it starts getting really back and forth when like in most conversations, everyone doesn't say the right thing a hundred percent of the time, all the time. Sometimes it happens, but it's not often the case. And if you have two people who get in a room together where, uh, when you're talking, you keep missing these 10%. You'll go back and forth, back and forth, correcting each other on this 10%. And now you've exhausted so much of your energy talking about those little mishaps that you end up getting lost and you keep talking over each other, talking back to each other, things like that. And now the conversation has gone in 15 directions and it becomes so difficult to either stop because you really want to correct everything or even difficult to continue because there's so many points now that have been left unaddressed. So I have two points on that that are interrelated because one is, I suppose, a clarification, but also an extension. And then I want to get to why, right? I'm interested in why this happens. But so the clarification I'd say is when you say, you know, there's 10% and then it could be like 15 little things that are all not aligned. I think often that's actually from like a fundamental misunderstanding, right? There's some fundamental thing that the two people aren't connecting on. Because I would kind of counter argue that in my experience, at least, it's not only when it's that phenomenon of many things. So the example with my family, it was like we knew exactly what we disagreed upon. I knew I wasn't going to convince them in the setting and they were trying to convince me. And I just kept counter arguing the same point over and over again, even though I didn't want to, because I felt like it was almost like an, an automatic reflex. Right. So I understand how that can happen in sort of like when there's a bunch of stuff. But for me, it also happened um, in like, not in that case, in just like a one-off case. Um, but I'm wondering like what you think about that. And also I want to get to like, why do we think this happens? Like, why does it matter to you? Why can't, I mean, I have my theories, but why can't you uh, just let something go? Why can't you let there be a misunderstanding or come back to it later or whatever? And it's interesting now that I think of it, I'll, I have an example that uh, is a similar but different phenomenon uh, that uh, I experienced with my mom. But I want to get your answers on these two first, and then I can bring in this other example. It's kind of funny because now I have two points on that. 
on the one single point that you mentioned. Um, but for me, the reason why it's so important that um, that like 100% of the points are correct is because I sometimes, especially when I was younger and I've come to see that's part of my nature, I sometimes take things very literally and almost take things as rules. So if someone says like, this is the rule on the way that you should act, um, I've had situations where I take those rules and then I go apply them and it doesn't work. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, this was the rule that you told me. And it, it, as I matured, I realized it was nuanced then. You have to decide when to use things in certain situations. And just so like, I guess, do unto others what you want to do, to do for yourself, um, you go and do that for others where you want to make sure that you give them the right context and you give them all of the points correctly so that if you give them a piece of advice or um, a little bit of knowledge, they can go and apply that and know how to apply that knowledge correctly. Now, in relationships with other people generally and how I get stuck in those is one, that premise that I hold in the back of my head. And two, I realize that I, with the people that I care about, which is the only people that I get, I really get into this with, I have to deal with you multiple times throughout the course of my lifetime. And so it's very important that the words that I speak, things that I say, make sense and integrate with each other. And I don't want to be misunderstood because a lot of like the initial ideas or feelings that you have on someone start to compound and extrapolate and things like that as your relationship grows. So I find it super important to be like, I want you to understand exactly where I'm coming from. So you don't, by human nature... It, like if you misunderstood it, take it, align it to something else I might have said, and then sort of get confused and get the wrong impression of me. And I only really, and this is this goes back to my point about this is only for the people that I care about. Because I find anytime you get into a conversation, you always have to stop and first figure out, is it even worth getting into this conversation with this person? If it's a random person on the street, I don't care to go back and forth with them. I will just move on and be like, let that person think what they think because I don't have the time or the energy to go through this. But if it's something, someone that I care about, then I'll go and engage in that conversation. And I find that's why, at least that's my theory as to why it always happens, where I want to make sure that I'm understood correctly and pe people that I love or people that I spend time with have the most clear version of myself um, after I'm done speaking. Right. I think that makes sense broadly. And, you know, I would agree with your initial point where I used to also just take things very literally, right? I was told a rule, I applied the rule in a concrete manner, and then it didn't work always. And I had to like really clarify the rule. And so when I was communicating, I wanted to very clearly communicate my thinking. Um, and so one, I think that's, you know, an Asperger's type thing. And also like other issues around like lack of principled thinking, right? Like lack of uh, philosophical thinking. And I do think that's like the con a contributing factor, but I also think there's an anxiety, right? I think there's an anxiety at play when like you need to make sure the people know exactly what you're saying, because God forbid, like they interpret you wrong and they think you made a mistake. That was a big thing for me. Like I couldn't have someone, like there are literally a few times where I know I chose to not clarify something and it literally haunts me like six years later, like small things, small things that I, and I was like, okay, I don't have to clarify this. Let's try not doing it. And it's like ingrained into my brain. And so like, I think part of it is this. Yeah. Because like, for me, it's like, what if I let that person leave and they, they think I think something wrong 
or like, yeah, maybe it would come up again later, but there's something to be said. Well, you know, if it does come up again later and I need to clarify, then that's probably okay too, because I have a tendency to over exhaust the people I'm talking to. Cause I want to talk for three hours until everything is clarified and we're on the exact same page, at least not, we don't have to agree, but they have to know exactly the page I'm on. And for many of my peers, that is exhausting to them. And, you know, like they'd rather, okay, if an issue comes up later, we can clarify and deal with that later. Most of the time, many of these things aren't that important, but it's like, I don't want that risk out in the world. Um, that's, you know, my thinking. And I've worked really hard to not have that anymore. And I, I think it's tied to anxiety. And, and I 100% agree with that. Like, that's like when someone asks you like a simple yes or no answer, like, I don't like yes or no answers. Cause I'm like, you might ask me something, like, how do I feel about how do I feel about guns? How do I feel about whatever the issue might be? I don't want to say yes or no, because I understand that there's nuance there. And I want to go on like a 10 minute explanation as to how I feel about this, where I think that applies, where it doesn't apply and things like that. Because I don't want someone to say, like, say yes. I don't want to say yes or no to something. And then people take that information and go tell it to someone else. And now people have this weird perception. I mean, I do think that, like, like you said, is part of you that cares what part of you goes out in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like, to be honest, I didn't even think about that um, as a possible reasoning as to the case. But you also yeah. mentioned that you had, a, um, you had a larger theory about how this sort of happens, this phenomenon happens. Like, do you have any other extra variables that you think tie back to it? No, I really think the bigger theory is fundamentally like it's an anxiety response in a fight or flight mechanism, right? Like, I really think when I'm not thinking, when my brain is off, when I used to indulge, we'll talk another episode about addiction, when I would indulge in drugs and alcohol, this would happen more. When when I was in less control of my mind, this would happen more. And I could sit and like talk for hours about something and and it was literally just like an auto response of whatever my mind computed and output. And so I think it's this kind of defense mechanism and... Yeah, I I had, you were saying how, yeah, it's like God, I don't remember my other point. You you derailed me with my asking for my (laughs) bigger theory, but because I wanted to touch on more so the actual, like for for me, it, it happens now. Like I've worked really hard to not care, right? And if I'm just like, Cause it's, you know, you and I have talked about like being in our mind or our body, like the thinking or the feeling or whatever you want to call it. And for me, when I'm in my body, let's say for lack of proper terminology, um, this happens less because I just trust that I'm communicating authentically, whatever it is I communicate. I'm not thinking about the entire context of everything that could connect. I'm just trusting that I know the context and I'm communicating it. And if they miss a piece of that, they'll either ask or it will come up or it won't matter because a lot of the stuff eventually just doesn't matter. But for me, when I do still get kind of riled up and you and I have a tendency to rile each other up as well, then I'm like back in my mind, I'm stuck in there almost. And it's like, then I can, I know exactly all of the things that are going on. And it's like, oh, well, this point and this point and this point. Um, but I really, for me, I, I, I don't see how it would be anything other than like a fundamental defense mechanism. It's a counterpunch. It's a counterpunch. And that's, you know, I vividly, I, it's almost like a traumatic memory of this time with my family being like 
feeling like I was trapped there, melted into the couch and just responding to them and, and not even being able to think about what I wanted to respond. Like it was just, they said something, I said something back. They said something, I said something back. Um, and I think that, you know, recently uh, I had like a weird emotional outburst at my dad, let's call it. It was a very bizarre experience. And it was the same thing. Like I couldn't not respond. I was very emotional. And I think you see like when someone's in a very emotional state, if you kind of continue the conversation, they'll have a hard time stopping the conversation because they'll just, they won't be able to filter themselves. They're more emotional than they are thinking. And so my dad would say something and I'd respond and then I'd try and stop the conversation, but he'd respond back and I'd respond again. And I knew the conversation had to end, but if he said something, I had to say something back. And it it just, it was like a compulsion. And there's one thing that I want to add to that, which is that the, I guess the precursors to the the situation in which both people are stuck in a conversation and end up going back and forth for like an hour or two hours. I think the, and fault might not be the right word, but the responsibility of that lies on both people Yeah. in that sometimes you actually find that um, with their specific case, it's someone misinterpreting what the other person might say or it's a situation where like when you're getting trapped in a conversation, someone's, we mentioned this before, but it's like you, you meaningfully get offended by something or like you don't let the person finish the actual top, the point that they had to make, or you find a way in which like, instead of actually understanding what this person is trying to tell you, you're, you're thinking about like, like I mentioned the 90% or the 10%. And when both people are doing that, like you're not actually talking about the point anymore. You're talking about like, the specific logical argument that you're coming up with. And I think it comes down to like both people being able to say like, hey, I'm having a conversation with you, trying to find what the actual answer is and not getting stuck in the details, not getting stuck in the the little things that like we, we, I feel like we can largely agree on can be over explained. Yeah. And I think that leads to a broader point that is worth another episode as well, is this idea we talked about before, about like are you in the conversation into like only intellectually or emotionally as well because it's kind of this idea of there's two ideas i think that underlie this issue issue let's say one is yeah am i just trying to solve the problem right so you're telling me about something and instead of listening to your concerns and whatever it is i'm just thinking about all of the context i'm doing a full analysis of it which, you know, if I'm trying to solve a problem is good, but if I'm trying to have a conversation isn't the best. And that's related with like, you know, me just waiting for my turn to respond, right? Like, oh, okay, I know where he's going. I know the error and like, I'm not listening to you. Um, and then that is, that is, I forget the second point now. Oh, my mind is uh, off. <laughs> I'm off my game today. And, um, and, and you mentioned something important there, which, and I actually learned this from you, which is especially when you get stuck, with one person saying, no, but I didn't say that. No, but I did say that. But you said this, but you said that. I find when you've sort of extrapolated into so many different, like um, like I mentioned with like paths and you're trying to like like point back at each other and you get in like this he said, she said conversation, um, it's important to switch to feel. And it's like a common technique that you mentioned where it's um, tell the person, not specifically you did this and assign blame to them, but tell them, hey, I feel hurt. 
I feel that this is this is wrong. I feel like um, I'm not being listened to. Like those are ways in which you can sort of disarm and disable so that you can actually get to the actual point and not get so stuck in the weeds about multiple things about how someone per, some person might have said something wrong or it's not exactly fully true or things like that. Yeah. And that is like the skill I didn't have, which is why I get trapped, right? I really feel like as I cultivate this skill of being able to pay attention to my emotions and stuff, that is what helps me get out of the, the feeling when I'm trapped. Um, speaking of which, I'm very frustrated that I forgot the second point again. <laughs> but um, the, the one example I wanted to bring up that I think I mean, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on how you think it relates because it's a new thought. So, um, you know, my siblings and my dad are quite similar to me often, very much in this quick thinking manner, whereas my mom tends to take more time to process. And so it was like she had the same issue of being trapped in a conversation and not being able to let things go, but hers would be abstracted out over time. So it's like we finish the conversation and 30 minutes later, she comes to start it again and she couldn't not start it again. She really struggled to just let it go, but it's because she had the same issue, but she just couldn't, she couldn't keep up in the moment. So then she thought about it and she's like, oh, I really need to make sure I get this point in. And instead of waiting, you know, a day or two until it decompresses, it's like, as soon as someone else is decompressed, she'd come in. And it seemed like the same issue. Like she felt she was, she was so worried about like the relationship being damaged that she needed, as soon as she had another point, she needed to make that point because God forbid she didn't make that point. And there's a lack of clarification, which could lead to bigger issues down the line. And so for you and I, that happens instantaneously. But for her, that same issue happened kind of more slowly. But I'm interested, do you think that's like the same or a similar phenomenon? I think it's absolutely true because there are situations in which I might explain something where like I find that if I explain something and I might've explained something poorly, um, I'll like think about it. And then two days later, I might come back and be like, you know, that conversation that we talked about, like, I, I, I didn't mean this, or I don't think that what you said was actually true or things like that. Just Even because- for like insignificant stuff sometimes. And I, I want to preface by saying that sometimes it, there's insignificant stuff, but sometimes it's significant stuff that you actually have to do that with. Because mm-hmm. it takes a while to pro- process. And it's important to go talk about those things. Because especially if you're talking about like, fundamental ways in which you should act in your relationship or fundamental ways in which you feel as a friend. It's important that if someone says something that makes sense, like, like it's a cool sound bite that makes sense. And then you think about it for a while and go, Oh, like that's not something that really sits well with me. It's important to bring that, bring that stuff up. Um, but like the yeah. insignificant stuff, like, of course, I, I think that's very much like, I'm so afraid that this person is going to think of me the wrong way. And you don't sort of trust that this person has the idea that, like you don't mean things that way or you're not that person. And that's what I meant to the two, the two person argument, which is that both people need to have this fundamental assumption in order for that to work, for you to be able to trust them and not have to feel like you're trapped in a conversation. Right. And I think that's the key thing is, and, and that's where it's like the anxiety. It's because there's a lack of trust, right? It's because like, I didn't, I was not good at trusting people to give me the benefit of the doubt that if I made them, I thought making a like intellectual mistake was the worst thing, like an inexcusable sin, 
right? And, and I'd never be forgiven. They'd laugh at me. They'd hold it against me or whatever because I didn't trust anyone. So I didn't trust that if I made a mistake, they'd give me the benefit of the doubt. I could explain myself later and these sorts of things. So it is trust. And I, I agree. Like, that's why it's in, like, <laughs> when we had that long conversation, I was, it's kind of like fun to get trapped in conversation sometimes. And I right now don't have enough exposure to like heavily intellectual conversations. So I like kind of trapping you sometimes. And I know, I think you struggle getting out of it more than I do. Um, but I still struggle to get out of it. So I don't, I'm not sure, but I think that's what happened with, with the last one as well. So it's almost like, um, we'll talk about addiction. It's almost like an addiction, right? Like, oh, I know you want to respond. I know you need this next one. Um, and, and, and especially if you're like a debater, right? Like those type of things are fun. And for me that I've, I found that there's very few people, um, and this is not a, like, it's not to say good or bad and assigning that to someone, but it's like, there's very few people that think in that very much like system way. It's like, these are the three premises. These things equal that. Okay. Is that actually true? Like being a very systematic thinker, there's not many people that can do that. And so if someone who isn't, who is, who, if someone is not as predisposed to think that way, it can become very frustrating and very difficult to have a conversation with two people. And so like, I think most of the time, like find out who you're having a conversation with and decide, hey, like I'm not going to jump into this bubble where I might potentially find it fun or maybe it's like an addiction of mine, but actually get to having the conversation that you want to have. And like a funny like story is like myself and my brother, we're like this so much so that like sometimes we'll just sit on a sit side by side in a chair and just like philosophize in our heads of like how this argument is being brought together and like are do you have the right pre- like premises when you're coming up to your conclusion and things like that where um like that's it's not fun for us but that's not trapped. but and like but i'm saying the the way that you get out of that like trap there is a way where you can sort of like bring it down based off of like just arguments and conclusions but there's very few people that you that can take part in that exercise where sometimes I actually find that when I'm getting trapped in the conversation like this, depending on where I am, like I've had conversations that are so important that are like whiteboarded out because it's so like, it's so important. All of these like fundamental premises that like, if someone's not being able to understand me and I find that person super important, I'll write it out and be like, look, this is what I mean. Cause I'm finding a hard time explaining it. And that's of course, probably not, you're probably not able to do that with everybody, but like sometimes it's so much of a, so much of a problem. And like, sometimes there's situations where you have to do that. And I think like for me, using a whiteboard actually helped being able to explain what I'm thinking. Yeah, that makes sense. And for me, it's, it's more about just focusing on what values are at stake. If you can both agree on why you care to have the conversation at all, it changes it very much so. Because I think, you know, I had a rough relationship with my mom in the past two years. And the biggest difference between the two times we talked that one went badly and one went well, um, one, I was definitely like, I was more stuck in my head. So I was just responding without thinking versus being able to slow down. And like, really, we, we chatted, it took like four hours for us to talk about everything we needed to talk about. But it was like more um, a slow, methodical process, because we had a we agreed at the start, okay, we're both trying to achieve a goal, right? We want to be in each other's lives. How do we achieve that? And I think there's some good stuff from Alex Epstein, who runs the Human Flourishing Project and the Senator for Industrial Progress. And uh, 
about framing and it's all about framing. And that's the key thing to having a productive conversation is first establishing what your goals are in the conversation. What are the values at stake? And if you do that, then you can just work together with always that as like kind of your North star, whereas the stuck in the conversation, it's again, it's a more reactive, defensive intellectual stance. If I know I'm aiming at a value I can, no matter what happens, I'm still like marching towards that value and I can respond. But if I just kind of know, oh, I want them to get somewhere. I know like where I am sort of, and they're kind of like swinging at me. I'm just kind of like knocking them back. Right. So it's like having a different, more positive uh, focus or a more positive orientation for the conversation, which I think at least for me prevents me getting trapped and I can see okay, well, we don't have the same value, so this isn't going to go anywhere. Or like I, right, right now we're not being productive in this any longer and like we can end this conversation for now, right? Um, but like we've agreed on the values. And so since we've agreed on the values, I'm not like threatened that, you know, we're going to walk away from this and, you know, somehow be way far off from one another. Since we've agreed on the fundamental, we're just not both there yet, it's like a different framing and, and there's less anxiety about like, you know, letting, letting someone mistake my view because they, they know the most important part of my view, which is what I value. And a common symptom of when that doesn't get done properly is when you have that like super four hour long conversation talking about every single piece. And by the end of it, you're just tired and you don't actually feel any better that you've actually walked through the conversation. And you understand each other. Because you're like, why do we even do that for, right? No, and, see, I get more energy when I do that. <laughs> At the end of four hours, I'm like, full no, of but like you mentioned, like there's some conversations where you're like, I'm doing this for the sake of doing it, but I actually don't care about the result, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. that's not a good use of time. Yeah, and it's important to like also include that, and I think that's it's corollary to um, what you mentioned, and that you also need to talk to a self-aware person. Because I find sometimes like I'm a victim of it and I've done it as well, where the thing that you're upset about or the thing that you're having a conversation or disagreeing about isn't actually what's at stake, right? Like you might get, you might have a conversation about some stupid side thing, but you're actually upset that this person um, isn't treating you right or isn't, isn't making, isn't valuing you correctly. And you're using this little thing as like a conduit to be upset at that person. And to the other person, understandably, the other person looks and goes, what the hell? This is the smallest thing on the planet. You're overreacting to this. But we can sometimes get stuck and not actually tell them that like, hey, I feel undervalued. It's not this like, it's not that you forgot to buy something at the store that's actually pissing me off. It's that you didn't think about the fact that these things are important to me. And it's important to have a self-aware person who can make that connection and tell you what is exactly the problem and not exactly, but like generally tell you like there's more at stake here than that one tiny thing. Um, And as the receiver of that, it's also important to learn how to talk to a good friend of yours being like, Hey, David, is this really about me being late to a recording of our podcast or is there something more important? Right. And I'm using an example here. I'm usually not late, Uh, (laughs) but, and like, it's, it's really, really hard. And it's really, really hard, especially with like newer friends or newer people that you meet, because it's not as easy to be like, hey, man, like, are you sure you're not upset at things? And sometimes you'll have people like if they're really like upset about something or they have like a large ego or something like that, they'll be like, how could you even ask that question? Why would you think that I'm adding other things that have nothing to do this conversation to this conversation? And that's where you got to be like, okay, like maybe I need to calm this down a little bit, switch to my I feel or uh, maybe just, you know, disengage from the conversation and have it later. 
when the person might have some time to think about it themselves. Like, you, you know how you mentioned like counterpunch, counterpunch? Mm-hmm. Sometimes in order for you to stop counterpunching, you actually have to step away from the argument, think about it for 30 minutes or like cool down and be like, you know what? Like I was kind of being a dick there. And you right, can go right. and revisit. And uh, that's the thing that I'm saying. That's like the trap in the conversation is when it's like difficult to do that. And I think, you know, many people, it's sometimes difficult to do. Generally, you have to train yourself to get out of the conversation. But the reason I brought it up is because I literally like could know I can't do that at certain times, right? I'm aware that I'm trapped, which is a really interesting phenomenon. And I just want to submit a point of protest around your use of the word ego, but that's okay. (laughs) um but i think what you said makes sense and it made i was i was like laughing in my head because like the conversation we had for like two hours that we were trapped in the reason we were so trapped is because we both thought the other person wasn't listening to the value orientation and so it was like we were meta trapped in this circle at least that's how i remember it but um yeah so i i think it yeah. To, to disengage from that conversation, I find that if I'm like, hey, David, um, you're not really listening to me or you're like, you're upsetting me and I can't have my conversation, like you're going to get into a bigger fight. It's important to be like, hey, like I need to disengage from this because I'm not being my true self and I'm getting annoyed. Can we talk about this in like half an hour or can we postpone this to a day? And right, it's important right. to put like a me orientation saying that like, I can't do this because if you assign blame to the other person, you're, not you're, just, listening. you're just, you're just like the monkey throwing shit at each other. You know, like right. it's not, nothing is working. But I do think in that moment, even like you had expressed that sentiment and I knew you expressed it and I wasn't letting you leave still. And you weren't able to hang up. You were like, David, stop the conversation. I didn't want to end it. And I kept it going as like an experiment of, and so I find it interesting that like you still struggle to actually execute. You knew that was the right thing to do, but you mm-hmm. struggled to execute on that decision. Yeah, absolutely. You were concerned like, if you did it without me knowing exactly how okay we still were with one another, there was going to be some issue or whatever, right? And like you know, it's never that easy. Like it's never as easy as it, as it as I guess we can sometimes make it sound. Yeah. And like especially with your closest friends, right? Like you got to do that dance and do that battle a few times to know that that person actually like won't catch feelings over um over what you're saying uh, and I, I don't mean catch feelings literally i almost saw your head going how did it, what does it mean to catch a feeling no no because no, i was saying that because i ref- i won't be friends with people anymore if i have to be concerned of them catching feelings as it were mm-hmm. and like, um, like a lot of the stuff like there's always exceptions to certain rules and, and there's also like like it's a lot more difficult, especially because human beings are very difficult. And like even the most self-aware person uh, on the planet, um, and of course I'm exaggerating here, is going to have bad days where they might might trap other people in conversations or get trapped in conversations themselves. Um, and it's important to like, and I find it's really important to talk to your friends proactively or post a conversation like this on how you can actually conversate better in the future. And one of the, and I'm surprised I haven't already alluded to this, is um, it's this thing that uh, myself and my girlfriend created. It's called uh, wrench. And I've told you about this before. And where the term wrench comes from is like throwing a wrench in the conversation where like I might say something. I might be like, um, I think that this is a bad thing that you're doing and X is the reason why. And sometimes what happens in conversations is you take what I said 
basically reiterate that back to me and point out how you think that's right or how you think that's wrong. Now, in that reiteration, if you've misinterpreted my point or reiterated my point the wrong way, we'll be like, oh, wrench, like, let me clarify that so you understand me correctly. And we have this like mutual agreement within, within each other that when someone calls wrench, you actually let them clarify. Because a lot of the times, especially if you're someone like you or I, who when they're explaining a point, they go into like a large story, adding all this context. Um, it's important to interrupt them, but it's important to interrupt them respectfully in a way that like you both have agreed on so that they aren't taking a misinterpreted point and running with it. And we found it to be supremely helpful because of the fact that you you minimize the amount of times that you misunderstand each other. Of course, you misunderstand each other all the time, but especially in the reiterations, you, you, can, you have an active tool that you can use in your conversations to make sure that person understands you the right way. Yeah, I'm curious. What do you think about that? Have you ever heard of that? Like, I think I mentioned to you once, once before, but I, I implore other people to try it. I found it to be um, super helpful. No, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think we're getting off topic a little bit, but it makes sense. And it's a common thing like straw man versus steel man in debate, right? If you want to actually refute someone properly, you have to really understand their point of view. And that's something people do not do well in conversations generally. Um, and this actually connects to that point I forgot 20 minutes ago or whatever, but I don't want to bring it up and trap you in this conversation for longer. So, cause it actually relates to other topics generally, but it's, you know, I, you know, just to tease it, it's, you know, they say that, or Jordan, one of Jordan Peterson's favorite lines is like, you know, in a conversation, you should assume the other person knows something you don't, but I don't think it's the surface level. Like, I don't think that's actually what's going on. And I think it's a lot deeper than that. And it's, it relates to what we're talking about here about, you know, having a certain orientation about believing that like the other person has something important to communicate and being on the premise that you want to help them communicate their point rather than assuming because they're miscommunicating it, it's wrong. Right. And, and that's a fundamental orientation that most people do not have properly. Um, and it's really frustrating. Um, but I think that's a really interesting, uh, whole other episode. It's like build, don't tear down. Um, because there might be someone like we all, we all have people that they have like the foundational idea is really good, but they're not really adding the extra pieces on really well. And like, you'd be doing them a huge service by actually helping them like, you know, navigate and put those things together well, and not just being like, that's crazy, you know? And that's why when people like you and I get caught up in the like 10% that's wrong, it can really frustrate people because they're, it's not a fully perfectly formed thought in their head yet. And rather than like validating the part that's right and asking more questions, the orientation is to point out the errors um, and that's you know, the conversation I, the argument I had with my dad or whatever, that it, it was like so clear to me, that's what he was doing, right? It's like, no, I know I have something important to communicate. And rather than you helping me do that, you're just telling me the points that are the sub points that are wrong. It's like, no, no, no. What is it like, either you think I have a valid thing or you don't. Right. Um, and so I think that's like a, a big principle that helps. Like, I think that is the countermeasure for me at least, from getting trapped in these conversations. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to find more people and more friends who we can kind of work together like that, right? So like I have big ideas, I have big things I try and work on. And, you know, 
most people I talk to that like, I, I like throwing out lots of ideas and most people will say like the errors that are in it versus assuming I'm onto something great and helping me tease it out. Right. And, you know, whether that's something great or just like, how I feel about a situation or my interpretation of a situation. Right. Um, it's, it's kind of the same. It's thing. funny you it's say like that. Counter measure. It's funny you say that because right when you said that, I'm like, I can think of all the times David came to me with an idea and I was like, yeah, but I think you got this wrong. I think you got this wrong. So I'll say very unsupportive. I, I apologize for that. Uh, but there's actually, a, and there's actually like a small, like I guess it's a blunt tool that I learned while like dealing with younger kids, which I think applies here perfectly. So I have to say it. Uh, it's the idea that like when a kid tells you something, you say yes and, and not no, but. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's, it's super helpful because the kid actually feels like they're being listened to and like, you can help them like guide them along their way as opposed to being like, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. Um, and I will, uh, and I will actively try and <laughs> use that more when you come to me with your crazy ideas. Cool. Yeah. So I think like, I think it's an important topic because I definitely think I'm interested to hear if people who do think they're on the spectrum or whatever, experience it as vividly as I have. But I know that it's broadly applicable anyways, right? We got into a lot of like general conversations and how to kind of try and be more productive in a conversation. But yeah, for me, it's literally sometimes like I feel trapped totally and like it's an automatic reaction my mind is doing. So I'm interested to hear, uh, you know, if other people have similar experiences to that. Awesome. And with that, I can't think of a better way to close. Um, you say that a lot. I appreciate <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate everyone listening. And of course, um, let us know if there's any uh, situations in which you felt something similar or, there, or if there's something to yes and and add to it.